Hey, welcome to the Coach Bo Knows Podcast from the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recorded live at the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios. You can check out all things O'Connor Advisory Group at oagks.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter and Instagram at Coach Bono's Show is our uh, handle there. Uh, check out the Facebook page, and you can email us at Show at gmail.com. This is episode 39.5, and as always in the point five, I'm joined by the legal counsel of the Coach Bono's podcast, the token girl. She has great legs, but an even greater mind, my co-host, Ellen Wiginter. Ellen, how are you today? I'm doing all right, Bo. How are you? I'm doing okay. Hey, uh, um, let's just get the shitty stuff out of the way. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a heavy week. It is. And uh, I... I we had a, uh, in Uvar, Uvara, Texas, we had this. Uvalde. Uh, Uvalde, you help me here. I'm, <laughs> I'm, see how bad I am about things right now? Uh, we have a school shooting where, was it 19, 18, 19? Was 19 kids, time? three adults so far. Yeah, are killed. And, or two adults, yeah. Um, you know, this, this shit's got to end. Yeah. Um, you know, I was telling you right before we, we started that in Boulder last night, a 14-year-old was arrested for credible threats against his middle school. And um, this morning, a, a, a high school not far from me, about 10 minutes away from me, was shut down due to suspicious things. They thought that a student was carrying a weapon at school. Yeah. So um, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And... Um... I'd be remiss if I didn't say, you know, I mean, my thoughts and out there, all of our thoughts are with people who have gone through this, but we got to do better than just thoughts and we got to do better than just prayers. And um, I was really, I watched, I was in my office yesterday, day before the press conference. Which press Uh, conference? The one that the governor had. Oh, yesterday. Yesterday. My days are running together right now. This has been been a weird week for me. So we're recording this Thursday. Um, so Wednesday I'm, I'm in my office, I have CNBC on and they cut to the interview to the, uh, pot, to the, uh, press conference mm-hmm. and governor Abbott is saying the things that he's going to say, and he's got Ted Cruz there. And then the Lieutenant governor speaks. And that's right. When CNBC was about to cut out mm-hmm. and as they're cutting out, you see a tall man walk up to the, to the stage and that's what CNBC cut out, unfortunately which ended up being Beto O'Rourke, who mm-hmm. is running for governor against Governor Abbott in Texas. And he just said, what are you guys going to do something about this? It's what the people want. It's time to do something about this. Uh, this morning, I saw an interview with Ted Cruz, you know, a, a senator, the, the senator from Texas, who, when asked by a foreign, it was a, I believe it was a British reporter, uh, he was asked, you know, well, is there going to be legislation? Are you guys going to work on this? And he says, well, we're always, everybody's trying to talk about legislation, this and that. And it's, and the, and he got the reporter pushed back pretty hard and said, mm-hmm. Hey, you know, this is what people want. This isn't, this isn't, it's come down to a very partisan type of thing. But I don't know that it's a partisan issue anymore. This is a safety issue for our children. And it's a safety issue. And, uh, people who are, we see it on social media. We see it, you know, tough guys behind fucking computer keyboards. You know, let's put people, let's put armed people in the, in the classrooms. Mm-hmm. I don't want my teachers to have carry guns. They shouldn't have to. That's, that's not who we are as a country. We shouldn't be having, we shouldn't have kindergarten teachers, fourth grade teachers, eighth grade teachers, 10th grade teachers carrying pistols and, you know, in the, in the classroom. Because some redneck wants to keep his fucking gun. It's come time. It's come time that we get fucking serious about this issue. And it's been time for a while. The rhetoric has to go. And I know that you feel strongly about this as well. So I'm going to leave the floor open to you a little bit if you want. Well, Um, I mean. You're also a parent with a kid in school right now. Yeah. I mean, it's, I have a sixth grader, soon to be seventh grader and. Uh, it's been really hard the last couple of days taking my kid to the bus and hoping that Nicholas comes home. And I'm thankful yeah. that this week they're kind of in and out of the school building because of fun end of year stuff. Yeah. Uh, but it's 
it, it's not about arming everyone to the teeth. Yeah. It's not about having a single entrance, which only creates larger safety issues on a whole wide variety of things. It's not only um, the 2A cult or right wing whomever, it is everybody. Uh, yes, the Republicans are blocking legislation that could easily start some things that like universal background checks that 90% of Americans want. But why in God's name do people think that weapons are a God-given right? They aren't. They're man-made. And, um, you know, Texas has basically called themselves a 2A safety state, a sanctuary state. You don't need a permit. As soon as you turn 18, you can buy whatever the hell you want. You don't need any safety classes. All you need is your 18th birthday, yeah. which is what the kid who, you know, committed this horrific crime on Tuesday did. He bought two AR rifles right after his 18th birthday. So it's very defeating to think and to recognize that nothing is going to change. Yeah, it, it is. It's easier to buy a gun than get an abortion in our country. Yeah. I mean, just think about that for a minute. Well, I mean, it's 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 easier to buy a gun than it is to drive a car. Yeah. So for the first for the first time ever, because CDC has kind of been handcuffed in tracking this stuff, but as of 2020, the highest rate of death for children between the ages of one and 17 is now guns. It yeah. used to be cars yeah. and vehicle accidents. I'm I'm all for gun regulation, and I think the first thing to do is light. If we we need to do with guns exactly what we do with cars, licensing, training, insurance. If your gun is used, you're on the hook for this. I mean, it, it, there's a lot of things that can be done, and these are the minimal things that can get started. You know, I'm not here to take everyone's weapons away from them. Now, I do think an AR-15 is not something you fucking need. I, I, I'm going to say that. Yeah. You want to have a pistol. You want to have even you know hunting guns, you know, shotguns and rifles. For I, I get those things. Sporting, yeah. guns, I get them. I do. Come from Louisiana, sportsman paradise. I get it, you know. But I, at the same time, an 18-year-old kid doesn't need a goddamn AR-15. No, no one does. And, and just, <laughs> Nobody needs an AR-15. Yeah, I agree. Except to shoot... Uh, a political ad to make you look like some sort of frame yeah, of a badass. Yeah, some kind of tough guy. And it's just, it's all a bunch of bullshit. So I wanted us to build a vent a little bit because I know we both got frustrations. You have a small, you have a kid who's still in school. I mean, I'm blessed yeah. that mine's out of school, but you know, and, and we just shouldn't have these worries as parents. It's just, if you took, I, I saw a survey it said if you took, you know, it was like seven or eight countries that are similar and you add them up or similar in size and included Australia and Switzerland and France and, and the UK and it said you took their their gun um, their gun issues and compared them to ours and the people there, it's all countries with restrictive gun laws. It's yeah. night and day. The crime yeah. levels are so much lower. Um, common sense gun laws. I mean, it's, it's something that hope, but we, we li- unfortunately live in a time of partisanship where one side does not care about what anyone thinks or does. They're just there for obstruction at this point. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's all it is. It's obstruction and they don't give a fuck about what anybody else thinks. So yeah, it's, it's, disappointing. it's, uh, you and I were texting some yesterday and it, it's, I firmly believe it's um, conservative politics and legal thought that has pushing been pushing this direction for the last 60 years. Yeah. And um, we are where we are. Yeah. Um, I'm going to kind of just halt the conversation there. And, I, and the reason being is I don't want to go into a sad situation. I don't want to just take the podcast that way this week. Um and partially because I've had some sad stuff on the podcast last couple of weeks, some of my personal stuff. So sure. 
I want to kind of transition, but I would be remiss if we didn't touch on it. Oh, um, for sure. So I want to, I want to do that. So I, I want to talk about something more positive, but it does involve schools and that's teachers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the end of the school year is here and we've all, you, you've got a kid in school, you know, my kid went through school. I actually ran into one of my kid's teachers this past week and uh, was actually talking to one of his old coaches this past week. Mm-hmm. And they all say things, you know, hey, and they always say, you know, I love your kid. Your kid's great. This and that. Mm-hmm. But then you talk, I went back and I was talking to my son. I said, hey, I ran into this person, this person. And he goes, oh, I missed that. She was so great to my this one particular teacher. Yeah. And it got to a conversation where I asked my son about teachers that helped inspire him. And he brought up a couple of names. I was surprised by a couple of them, uh, which was, I mean, that's a good thing. I mean, just something he'd never really mentioned in the past. But it made me think about some of my personal life. And mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about you and I. I wanted to, because we, we've known just since high school. So we went to the same high school. Um, a year ahead, a year older. But we, same high school, we were both journalism people. So we both had some of the same teachers as well in yeah. some of the certain areas. Was there a teacher in your, either high school or middle school or any time in your life that inspired you or... Um, you know, maybe motivated you in a way. Talk about that in your life a little bit. Well, I, I think you and I have one that is the same. And so mm-hmm. I'll let you discuss her. Um, we can both discuss Barb. Well, so Barb Pageant was our instructor. She covered uh, the newspaper and yearbook. Yep. And, um, uh, you know, I wrote for the school newspaper for two years. I ended up as a news editor my senior year. Um, got to do some really cool things. And I don't know, I went to DC for a journalism conference uh, the summer before my, my senior year. And it was something I seriously thought about doing, but I never just stuck with it. But one of the things also my senior year was um, Miss Elmborg, who was my AP English teacher. And uh, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do kind of focusing on studies coming out of high school, but I fell in love with AP English. I'd always been a big reader and um, she helped me learn to write better. And I ended up getting an English degree in undergrad. So I I kind of count her as one of those people that was just like, you could do something with this love of reading and literature and um, that kind of thing that, uh, you know, I really appreciate and hell, I love seeing Barb on Facebook when I see her or yeah. a few years ago, we saw her at we, um, well, Coach Walton's yeah. thing. So, or which I hope we'll see her again if we have that one in September. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're fortunate and I, I hope all of us have at least one person that kind of, yeah gave us whatever we needed, but those two were really great for me. I bring this up because we talked about some stuff that happened at schools and and teachers are woefully underpaid and woefully overworked. Yes. And I will tell you, there are two teachers. One was the same one, Barb Pageant, who, Mm -hmm. you know, I also, it's Topeka West High School and, uh, and Barb was my teacher for journalism and she was your, you know, teacher for journalism. I was on the yearbook. I only did the paper. But, um, you know, I was a writer, became a sports editor my senior year. And, and the tough part was I had to follow the guy who was like, the best <laughs> was sports, sports editor. I had to follow Chris Yule, who was, I mean, we both know someone who's, who's passed on and we both adored Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, he was one of the, not just one of the best writers you ever seen, but one of the best people you ever known. Yeah. And, um, and Barb was someone who, you know, when I was down and sometimes like, oh God, this is so hard to be that guy who follows this. She was like, just be you. Yeah. Just be, just don't, I don't want Chris. I need Brian. Right. And, and I was like, okay, that helped. And, um, you know, she was also someone who held me accountable when there was times where I needed to be held accountable. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you know, you're, you know, fairly, um, fairly intelligent man. Like I am, I'm not nearly as smart as you are. <laughs> uh, Sometimes you, sometimes things come easy and you skate through them. 
Yeah. And she was one of those first people to take me aside and say, hey, you're doing fine, but you could be doing more. Yeah. And to see something in me that not even I saw, that really meant a lot to me. It Uh, makes a huge difference. Yeah. The other one I was going to bring up was actually my football coach, but not just because he's my football coach, but um, I actually was an in-room, they called that back then. It was like a proctor kind of thing. That's Frank. Yeah. And um, Coach Walton is someone who I still get to talk to once in a while, and I get a I get a kick every time I see him. Um, he's been a person who's been in my life a little bit here and there as an adult as well. I've been able to hit him when I was coaching. I was able to hit him with questions every so often. Awesome. But he was he was one that came to me at one point and said, "Hey, you can be so much better than you are." And here's where you need some guidance and let me help you. Okay. And that was something that he went out of his way to help me. That's awesome. Uh, He was also someone that when I was up for a job to become a coach, to become a head coach, he made a phone call and Mm -hmm. said, if you don't hire this guy, you're making a huge mistake. That's awesome. And that was, he was someone who knew some people at that school and then it helped. And when he heard I got the job, he was just so thrilled for me and, I uh, came out and saw a game and I got to host him in a game it was great. And he, mm-hmm. but he was someone, again, those teachers that see the development, you know, on this podcast, we talk about the coaching part of it. You know, I always say that as a coach, one of my favorite things is not coaching the best players. It's coaching the player that you see, they have a ceiling and you want to help them get to as high a point of that ceiling as possible. And he was someone that saw something in me and saw that I wasn't going to be near the ceiling I could have been at. Mm-hmm. And he made a point of saying, hey, we need to get you there. Yeah. It'll be better. And those two people in my life at that time really helped. And I wouldn't be where I'm at with, with those two people, you know, having jumped in and done some things for me. And, and they're really, not to do them for me, but to show me I was capable of more. Yeah. And that was important. So uh, we're talking about the teacher thing. I wanted to bring that up. And it just, yeah. It's always good to have, uh, like I said, those those people in your corner, and sometimes you don't know when they'll pop out and yeah. push you in the right direction. Yeah, and, and that's something you can anybody can do. You can do that for a friend. You can do it for a relative. It, it's hard to do as a parent. Yes, you know it, it's incredibly hard. I always say that you know I've had the privilege of coaching a lot of people, a lot of kids, a lot of you know young athletes. You know the person who was the hardest to coach was my own son. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I saw that there was more potential there, but I couldn't get it out of him because there was a separation. It was hard for him to separate coach and dad. Yeah, for sure. You know, if I had to do it over again, I would have never coached my own son. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, and that's the thing that I hear from a lot of parents who yeah. take that on. Uh, I, I would never want to coach anything. Yeah. I don't think I'd be good enough to do it, but, uh, even with Nicholas, I mean, he and I will go down to the park and shoot around and he's like, tell me how my jump shot looks and this, that, and the other. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to be like, dude, it's pretty ugly right now. <laughs> but, you know, you just said something that I completely disagree with. What's you that? You said that you don't think you'd be a good coach. I think you'd be an outstanding coach. Oh. Here's why. <laughs> is that coaching is not about knowing a sport. It's not mm-hmm. about knowing the, the practicalities of something. You can learn that as you go. What coaching really is, is helping somebody else get what they can get to. Yeah, true. And I'll give you a good example. So I'm a football coach. I coach mm-hmm. football. I know a lot about football, but I had to go learn more because when I was coaching quarterbacks, I never played quarterback. Right. I don't know how the best way to put my arm into an arm slot and these sort of things. So I had to go find that. Mm-hmm. But when I can learn that myself, then I can teach others. Yeah. You know, um, Uncle Rico is on this podcast quite a bit. Uncle Rico is one of our oldest friends, one of my oldest friends. Mm-hmm. I'm a terrible golfer, but I can teach about anybody how to be a good golfer. That's mm-hmm. Uncle Rico. I've helped him and he's a much better golfer than I am now. Yeah. And some of that now, some of it is he plays a lot now, but in the beginning I was helping him 
And it was stuff I couldn't teach myself because I can't see myself and I can't see a lot of that stuff. And but I understood how it works. Yeah. Having a base knowledge really does help. Oh, for sure. So and then from there, you can learn how to, you know, help someone. Yeah. So I may be in a coach just being thoughtful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the best coaches are. Okay. You don't have to be the best. I mean, the best coaches are not necessarily the ones who are the best X's and O's people. Yeah. That's not important. You know, you find those people to help you. You know, the yep. best coaches are always the ones who get the most out of the players, the best they can do. So I want to bring that about teaching. And I, I thought it was a great transition from where to start the show with, unfortunately. And so this week, if you're picking up your kids, your kids are getting out of school and they're getting undone with the school year, ask your kid, who is the teacher that you like? You know, or talk to your teacher. If you know one of your kids' teachers, thank them. Mm-hmm. They are overworked. They're way underpaid. Take good care of your teachers. Be nice and do something nice for your teachers. So, all right. We've got a couple of uh, sports things to talk about. Okay. Um, where are you at on this uh, Tim Anderson, Josh Donaldson thing? You know, what, you know, what do you know about this and where are you at? I mean, I heard about it. Uh, I saw, you know, Donaldson's apology that he issued today yeah i i don't know i mean all of this just comes back to my whole mantra don't be a dick yeah it, just keep your mouth shut you know if you think you're talking trash and you don't know if you're stepping over that bound just shut up yeah i first of all i'm not a josh donaldson fan never have been and this just goes to show that he is just fucking clueless. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I saw what happened in the thing where he says he called Tim Anderson Jackie. Uh, and he said, and he, after the game, Josh Donaldson said, you know, this goes back to when I was with the Braves. And, you know, here they, they was a, um, a article and Tim Anderson said he wanted to carry on the legacy of Jackie, of Jackie Robinson. Yeah. And that supposedly Tim, uh, Josh Donaldson had made this, this joke to Tim Anderson before. Now, I just listened to Tim Anderson's um, interview with Bomani Jones. Mm-hmm. Tim Anderson claims that he has never heard that joke from Josh Donaldson. He does not have a relationship with, like, with Josh Donaldson. Mm-hmm. Yet, usually when you have an inside joke, you are close. If we have an inside joke, right. we are close. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Um, I'm not going to go full on Josh Donaldson's a racist because I just don't know Josh Donaldson like that. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to make that kind of joke and you don't know the dude, it tells me a little bit about who you are. Yeah. You, you know what? It, I'm going to come back to, remind me to come back to the Braves part of this in a few minutes. Okay. But I, I Tim Anderson is someone who is, um, you either like if you're a baseball fan, you either like Tim, Tim Anderson or you don't like Tim. Anderson. I like Tim Anderson. Okay. Um, in baseball wise, you know he is, you know he's an African American player, which we don't have very many American African American players. I mean, he's not. He's 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 from. I think he's from Detroit. I, I I'm not I don't sure know where he's from, but, but he's not important. But he's from an inner city. He's raised. He's lived a tough life. He's someone who was a good athlete, played different sports, chose to mm-hmm. go baseball route because he was best at that. Mm-hmm. And we see that most minorities in baseball, especially those that look African-American or, or many times Dominican, you know, so they're not, you know, like, like, they, like David Ortiz, for instance. You know, right, African-American, Dominican, Venezuelan. Venezuelan, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we don't see African-Americans represented very much in baseball. Mm-hmm. And that bothers me as a baseball fan. I think that's why baseball's kind of fallen off over the years, is there's been less representation of that. Um, there's also the, and it's going away in a way, but there's always been, at least through the last, last few years, we've seen the old school, the old guard, you know, keep the rules of baseball, the decorum of baseball. Don't flip your bat. Don't do this. We're going to throw at you. Right. And Tim Anderson's been a guy who's kind of flown in the face of that mm-hmm. his entire career. 
Yeah. Which I'm for. I'm here for guys like Tim Anderson, like Fernando Tatis, like a Ronald Acuna Jr. I think baseball needs all of that. Yeah. And I think that baseball needs less of stuffy old white dudes like Josh Donaldson, you know, or uh, AJ Przezinski, who's now out of baseball, you know, be the keeper of the rules kind of thing. We need less of that. Oh, I fully agree. I mean, you know, you and, know the Yankees organization in and of itself is a relic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now it, what I wanted to say is I think that going back to the Braves part of this, Josh Johnson was in the Braves organization for a couple yeah. of years. We just heard about some issues with Freddie Freeman mm-hmm. and Ronald Acuna that go back a couple of years. Yep. Now we see Josh Donaldson and some issues that he has with Tim Anderson. That was where Brian McCann was. And Brian McCann was, whoo, that guy was like the old guard. I mean, yeah. he was one of the keepers of the rules, if you will. Yep. It really seems like there's still some of that in there. Oh, there absolutely is in clubhouses. Yeah, and, and and it seems like the Atlanta Braves clubhouse was, you know, that kind of place for year for a few last few years. Yeah, I mean, and that's why I brought up the Yankees because you know everyone talks about yeah, you gotta, the haircut you gotta, rule, right? You got to have a haircut. You got to shave. Yeah, no facial hair. You know that's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it was uh, the world was melt. The baseball Twitter world was melting last night when the rumor went out about Juan Soto possibly being traded to the Yankees. Yeah, I, and I, I like I can't imagine Juan Soto at the Yankees. The bat flips wouldn't last. I mean, oh god, no. I mean, but that's exactly what baseball needs is that they need. Some, if Juan Soto went to the Yankees, hopefully he'd break down the walls. But I don't probably think not. Gonna, but probably not. No. You know, and I just, I hate that about baseball. They still have this old guard. These guys, because it's, they're exactly the opposite of what that sport needs. And you know, it's um, having a younger kid and having friends with younger kids and some that are older, I'm truly learning to appreciate just how expensive a sport baseball is. Yeah, it is. And forcing these kids to specialize in elementary or middle school. Um, A friend of mine said it's an arms race just to have facilities or access to stuff. And people are building out batting cages and, and this, that, and the other in their backyards. And it's, you know, that's why you don't have as much representation. People can't afford to do this shit. Yeah. People who couldn't afford to play baseball in America are white kids. Yeah. There's suburban white kids. And, and some parts of baseball are a skill that can be taught. Yeah. You know, pitching and hitting can be taught. Uh-huh. Um, and, and that's unfortunate. And you're right. There's an arms race. Tim Anderson is one of those rare players that comes along that can play because of his athletic ability, can play lots of different sports, but chose baseball. Yeah. Look at Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray was a guy who would have been a star in, the, in Major League Baseball. He chose yeah. to go to the NFL. Had Kyler Murray not been a quarterback, he might have chosen the baseball route. And you can say that about Russell Wilson or Patrick yeah. Holmes. You yeah. know, a lot of these high-end quality athletes were dual sport stars. And yeah. uh, you know, I've heard, I've heard, heard Urban Meyer say it. I've heard um, Les Miles say it years ago. I've heard other guys talk about it at the college level. So when they recruit football players. They recruit players first who have played multiple sports. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of times that is football and basketball. Right. Because of athleticism. But if you can play multiple sports, one, you can, you're going to be a better athlete. You're just yes. going to be better. And two, you're always working on something to improve. Yeah. Um, you know, I coached a young man who is currently playing juco ball and football. And I'm pretty sure will be a division one guy uh, next season. Uh, he's one of the, he's probably the best athlete I ever coached. Mm-hmm. And I coached him as a kid in baseball and he had never played baseball before. Uh-huh. He, he was 10, 11 years old. His, his, when his grandma at the time and grandma said, hey, I don't really want to play. Well, he played basketball with my son. Mm-hmm. I said, well, let's just add him to our team. 
I said, I can't start him every game, but because he's sure. not going to get all the practices because he's doing football practices and basketball stuff. I said, but let's get him in. We'll teach him some of the skills. But what it meant was, in his case, he had a practice every night. Yeah. And for some people, that's kind of a good thing. But in his case, it was another development of skills. So he didn't take it past, you know, youth ball. Sure. That's fine. You know, the, kid, the kid's a Division One talented bat, a football player. But again, it was about learning different skills and developing his body and developing his mind and to being coachable, to be able yeah. to learn those sort of things. I, I'm all for if you have a child nowadays playing multiple sports. Absolutely. I don't like the idea of a 10-year-old kid has to choose whether they like basketball or football or they like baseball or they like golf or hockey or whatever. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, especially in baseball and hockey, it's so expensive to play. Baseball, hockey, lacrosse. Lacrosse um, is the other one. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's the field brutal. time and ice time and those sort of things as well. So yeah. um, I, I hate to see kids go just to one sport because it burns them out eventually, too. Yeah, absolutely. And it breaks down their body faster. So yeah. it's. It's, it's far better to let them try a bunch of stuff. And, you know, it just, it bums me out having a middle schooler that that used to be an entry point for a lot of kids Yeah, that they would do school sports and figure out if they like stuff. But now, you know, these kids have been playing for 10 years already (laughs) and it's, it's wild. Yeah. How old is your son now? He's 12. 12 and Nicholas is 12. So I mean, there's still time for him if he wanted to be exceptionally good at something. I mean, there's yeah. still time. But, you know, now, unfortunately, it is the time that if he wants to play baseball or football or basketball, you're going to have to learn. Yeah. You're going to have to almost be exclusive with it at that point. Yeah. yeah. Unless, you're just a, unless you're just a fantastically natural athlete. Yeah. You, no. you come along very rarely. Yeah. It's, it's wild. Yeah. You know, I will tell every parent out there, the one thing you can teach, the one thing you can teach your sport, you can teach your child, and they can play for the rest of their lives, is golf. Tennis. Tennis is the other one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wife plays tennis constantly now. Yeah. It, is, it, like, it, it disrupts her life now. But yeah, yeah, golf and tennis, teach them. Tennis is even better than golf because the, the athleticism of it, the, the cardio of it, the, the, well, the run is and that. Even golf if you're good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, pickleball is now the new craze with everything and it's, it's faster and it's a smaller court and this, yeah. that, but uh, yeah, I mean, those things you can definitely do the, your entire life. Yeah. Teach your kids to play golf and tennis and then make them play football. <laughs> <laughs> I always say, I, I think football is the perfect sport for a young man because of the teamwork part piece of it. And how it's accepting of all types of players, different sizes and different body types and everything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love basketball and I love baseball. I think that they're both great sports and you can get that team situation in both those. But if you're a short fat kid like I am, can't play basketball. Uh, not, a, not often. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a short fat kid like I am, there's not a lot of places to play baseball. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was able to play a little bit in high school, but after high school, I couldn't play anymore. Sure. No, college football is one where, hey, you got to have a couple short fat kids. Yep. You know, so think of it that way. I mean, it just is an opportunity. Um, but yeah, on the Tim Anderson thing with Tim Anderson and Josh Allen, it's brought up so many different avenues. And we go, to, we just went to the avenue of, hey, you know, look at what's going on with Tim Anderson. Yeah. Um, it also goes back to what's happening with baseball, and that baseball desperately needs guys like Tim Anderson, and he's less guys like Josh Donaldson. Fully agree. And so here's our F you to Josh Thomas. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, one of the things come up, and we're recording this Thursday, and it looks like it happened today. Um, Colin Kaepernick got a workout with the Las Vegas Raiders. Do you have yeah. any thoughts on this? I got a couple, but I want to hear your thoughts first. Um, you know, I saw a headline that Mike Florio was thinking that he could probably play for six teams. Um, I'm glad that he is getting a workout. I think the NFL has really fucked this thing up over the last six years. Um, whether he plays will be an interesting question. You know, he has said 
season after season after season that he is game ready. But after being out for six years, you don't necessarily get the same kind of reps and action and speed, you know, doing simulations and throwing routes that you do when you're on the field. I mean, it would be great if he got a shot. He more than deserves it. There are plenty of teams who need him in a variety of capacities. My concern is that, again, the NFL will just end up fucking this up. Yeah, so I have a lot of thoughts on Colin Kaepernick. One, my number one reason, I think it's a good idea. that mm-hmm. The guy's an athlete. The guy's an athlete, and if he's in shape, he is, what, 34 now, I understand. Uh-huh. Um, 34 years old. If he's still in shape, he can contribute to a team. Yeah. Um, whether it's as a backup. I mean, I, I look at it as the Raiders are the perfect team to bring him in as – I see him as a replacement for Marcus Mariota. Mm-hmm. He'd be the backup quarterback to David Carr. Uh, one thing that Con Kaepernick did really well football-wise was he was a read option quarterback. Guys, yeah. the read option as good as anybody ever. Um, and so you could still put that into your offense. That's what the Raiders did. They had packages for Marcus Mariota, who's now yeah. moved on to Atlanta. So if Colin Kaepernick is football ready, that's a big if. Mm-hmm. because we all can say we're in shape right and you can be in shape but it's six years away from the last time you played football yeah um you know you can't simulate that in a gym you can't simulate that in workouts you know that kind of thing yeah but i see no downside to the raiders signing him no to the raiders signing him and bring him into camp and say hey we're not going to make you promises that we're going to put you on the field we're not going to make you promise that you're going to be the backup. But if you can show us that you're capable of being the backup, mm-hmm. we would love to have this. Because yeah. If you're the Raiders, you have the worst quarterback in your division in a highly competitive division. Yeah. And I mean, and, go ahead. One of the, the largest pluses that I was just thinking of, his body hasn't taken a solid beating yes. over the last six years. Yes. That's where the thing is that you say, okay, well, yes, he has not played for six years but he has also not got any tread off those tires in those six years. Right. He still hasn't taken those hits. So there's a good and bad to that. We talked about this. I was in the Jones report last night. We were recording that. And uh-huh. that was one of the things that he brought that we were talking about. And I brought that point up and said, Hey, you know, he's 34. So he's probably right in his prime as a football player. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe a little past it, but man, if you need him for five plays, you know, if you've got an inventive OC, who says, mm-hmm. hey, let's use him for what he can do, you know, then do it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every team's going to make themselves better. And if you didn't go get a replacement for Derek Carr, well, maybe Colin Kaepernick fills the role that they did with Marcus Mariota, and maybe they can put him in on some stuff and, you know, help them where they have a little bit of a deficit compared to their rivals in their own division. Absolutely. Because Derek Carr is a, a good quarterback, but he's not a Mahomes. He's not a Herbert. He's not a Russell Wilson. Yeah. And that's a that's a deficiency that the Raiders are going to have because mm-hmm. they're going to end up now giving De- Derek Carr a long-term contract. Right. He's going to get a, a new contract sooner than later. And as that happens, okay, this is a great handcuff. It's like fantasy football. You handcuff your backup quarterback to your, to your starting quarterback when you have a great one. It's the same thing. I mean, yeah. it's – if this guy can be that guy, why wouldn't you do it? I don't see the downside here. And there's no situation now where anyone's going to protest this guy. If people are protesting Colin Kaepernick, that tells me more about who they are than about who oh, Colin Kaepernick is. Absolutely. And it'll happen. And Oh, yeah. There'll be, there'll be those same – it's funny because the same people who said, well, I'm not watching football anymore because they were kneeling. What are they doing, what are they doing now? They're watching the games because everybody watches the games. Yep. It's the one product in all of television, in all of entertainment that has not lost a step. Yeah. It just won't stop. Yeah. And and so I see, you know, I watch a little bit of ESPN here and I, I saw Stephen A. Smith was saying that he's tired of NFL players saying that, you know, Colin Kaepernick should be in the league. Look, if Colin Kaepernick can help a team, then he should be in the league. Yeah, 
I know that Stephen A is a pundit, but if the guys who actually play the game say he should be in the league, yeah, I would tend to listen to them more yeah. than Stephen A. Well, yeah, and I, I do think – I think what Stephen A's point also was is it wasn't – he was tired of hearing that piece. I think that was – I think what he was really trying to say is, is that somebody's a shitter get off the pot. Either sign him or Cap come out and say, I'm not going to play. But the thing of it is, the players yeah. don't have any control over yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, I think to Colin Kaepernick, if, if it's a good fit, I think the Raiders are a really good fit for that. You know, I, I saw the Mike Florio thing where he says there was five or six teams. Yeah. Hey, my New Orleans Saints, go get Colin Kaepernick to be Jameis Winston's backup. If you're worried, I mean, there are teams, I, I was reading um, ESPN.com, I uh, had a had an article about teams that took a step back mm-hmm. this offseason. And the number one was the New Orleans Saints, which one I disagree with totally. But yeah. secondly, if you feel that way, or if you feel like their offense isn't going to be as good, go get a backup quarterback. Go get yeah. a really good one. This guy might be it. And all you got to do is bring him to camp. And if it doesn't work in camp, okay, we tried. Exactly. You know? Um you know, Robert Griffin III might be the same kind of thing. You know, maybe uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I. He he's more of a liability. His body is just. He's he's had the injury issues, but he got a second chance and was a backup for a couple of years to Lamar Jackson, and yeah. it was a good deal. It's the same kind of situation. There's the equivalence. Sure, that's the equivalence okay. to draw to is the Robert Griffin comparison. Say, hey, yeah, yeah it may just be a backup role. You know, or maybe he comes in and runs some things, you know, from four or five plays in a game here or there. You know, yeah. it's a different change of pace. I like the idea, personally. I, I don't think it's a fit for every team. I don't think the Kansas City Chiefs ought to do it. I don't think the Denver oh, no. Broncos ought to do it. I don't think the Green Bay Packers should do it. But I think that a team that's a, a middle team who needs a spark or could use a strong backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think it's a no-brainer. I yeah. think that I think oh, I think the, the Raiders are one of those teams. I think that Seattle's one of those teams. I think that I think Cleveland with everything going on with Deshaun Watson, why not? Yeah, you know, I, I, Baltimore, why not have Kaepernick be Lamar Smith's back, Lamar Jackson's backup? I mean, that's I don't know. I I don't think it's an overrated idea. If I was the Raiders, I wouldn't let him out of the complex without a signed contract. Yeah, it, I, I'm very interested to see how it plays I, out. I hope sure. he has a great workout. I hope he had a great workout, and I hope that he gets the contract. Yeah. I, mean, I, would, I would sign him to a one-year deal. I would. I would give him a one-year deal, and I'd say, hey, look, here's what we're going to do. We're offering you a one-year minimum salary contract, but we're going to put these incentive clauses in. Yeah. Show us, and we'll bring you in. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that's... And you're not losing much in the process. No, you're not, it doesn't cost you anything. Yeah, because now the costs, the off-the-field costs are off the table. So uh, good luck to Colin Kaepernick. I'm rooting for him. Absolutely. A couple of weeks ago, we started What If? And we did our first yes. What If on Bo Jackson. We're going to have our next one next Wednesday. And I'm going to give you a preview. We're going to... We're going to do this a little different. We're not going to be, it's not going to be me saying, here's what would have happened. Okay. On this next what if, we're both going to come up with a list. I got this from The Athletic. The Athletic had an article that came out this week of featuring about NIL. And as we know, we're going to be doing a lot of NIL talk in June. I've got a couple of interviews lined up. We've already got one in the can ready for the first week. Um, but we're going to be doing a lot of NIL. So we're going to use this what if next Wednesday to kind of get us prepared for what's NIL from all the different ways we're going to look at it in in June is going to be. Yeah. And the Athletic had an interesting article. It said, who would have been college football's biggest earners in NIL? And it didn't necessarily mean who would have made the most money but who would have been it was a combination of most money, but also kind of who would have been the most out there people mm-hmm. guys you would have seen more and more of. Um, we're both going to talk about, you know, what could have been, or we'll do what if next week we'll have our own 
top five and say, hey, here's what could have been. I'm going to give the athletics top five. Is this article from the athletic? I'm okay. going to give you their top five to give okay. you a little base of what to think about. Uh, this is from five to one. Number five, they had Bo Jackson. Okay. Okay. Uh, number four, they had Reggie Bush. Uh-huh. These are all football only. Okay. We're going to football only. Uh, number three was Johnny Manziel. Yep. Johnny Manziel will definitely be in my top five. Absolutely. Number two is actually a current recruit. It is Arch Manning. Oh, he's going to make a shit ton of money. Yeah. If he wants to, he will do, he will really write his own checks. It'll be amazing. I don't think he's going to do a lot. I don't think he'll, it's one of those things. He won't be able to help, but make money. Yes. Even if he doesn't want to do it. Yeah. He's going to sign a contract with Fanatics because his both his uncles have one, and he's going to sign a couple of gigs like that. But I, we're not going to see Arch Manning doing, you know, your local Cadillac dealership. Right, right. That kind of thing. Number one, the athletic. You want to take a guess? All I can think of is Boz. That's a really good one. That's a really good guess. Tebow. I was also thinking him. Um, my concern would be is that he would skew to conservative. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to come up with a list. I want you to come up with the top five and it doesn't have to be who we thought would make the most money, but who would be interesting at least to have been able to go through NIL. We know Johnny Manziel will definitely be on my list. I, oh God. Johnny Manziel would probably be a number one or number two on the list. Yeah. Cause he would have done all of them. He would have done everything and yeah, everything just been loaded the entire time. Yeah. So uh, Johnny Manziel is one of those that's going to be interesting to me. I got a couple others up my sleeve I think will be interesting. I'm not going to go too far back. We're not going to go way back into the 70s or the 60s or anything. I'm going to try to keep it to the 90s and after. I think I got one from the 80s I'm going to think about. But, yeah. But I'm going to come up with the top okay. five as well. So just what if NIL college football version? Yeah. Can I do better? Basketball instead? College basketball? Yes. Yes. You can do college basketball. I'll do college football. Okay. I like that. That's a good idea. Thanks. <laughs> so, yeah, because that's where your specialty is. I'm trying to think of college basketball players. Christian oh, I mean, Leitner. I can tell you three right off the Christian bat. Christian Leitner would be one. Um, you've, got, you've got LeBron, you've got Kobe, and you've got Kevin Garnett. Because they all went no. straight... Don't take any of them that they talk about guys who actually I think you like, no, I think you have to because that yeah. is a deciding factor if they would go to college because they could make bank before jumping to the NBA. That's an interesting thought. Yeah, because they still the could have signed, they could have still signed shoe deals and everything else. But the contracts were yeah. not what they are now when these those guys were coming into the league. Yeah. All right, let's let's talk about one then. Talk about LeBron for a minute. Do you know the mm-hmm. story about LeBron James and Adidas? No. Okay, so when LeBron was talking to the shoe companies, mm-hmm. um, he was talking to Adidas, you know, Adidas and Nike. I believe Under Armour was the third one, but I think it was more of just a it was what it was. Uh-huh. The Adidas people saw him before Nike, and again, he was eighteen, still in high school. Mm-hmm. And said he was going to go straight to the NBA. And uh, he goes into a meeting with Adidas. And the Adidas people say, hey, look, we're going to offer you. It was like a $100 million contract. Uh-huh. And they said, we're going to give you $10 million today. But you can't, if you do, but we'll give you $10 million today. But you can't even have your meeting with Nike. You have to sign today. I would have told him to fuck off too. He did. And Nike's made him, you know, Nike. Yeah. So I, I wonder if an NIL deal would have been different. I wonder if NIL would have said, if he knows he could have gone to college and say, okay, because this is where I come out on the NIL, the college, the basketball thing, mm-hmm. a LeBron, a Kevin Garnett, Zion a couple of years ago. Um, what if LeBron had signed a deal or Zion had signed a deal with Adidas? And he goes to a Nike school. 
You know, at what point does he have to tell the school, hey, I have a contract with Adidas. I can't wear Nike shoes on the court. Right. You know, that kind of thing. Um, but then those schools get paid so much money. So I wonder how that's, that's I wonder if there's a point where that's going to happen. We have largely, for the most part, seen the shoe companies stay out of NIL so far. So I doubt that the shoe companies will get involved. Yeah. The it's- first the first deal at Nike actually signed with an NIL deal was actually a women's, oh God, it was a women's softball player from UCLA. I remember the school was UCLA. I believe it was a women's softball player. The sisters, the twins? No, it was a, it was an individual. Oh, okay. Maybe it was a track star. I, but I, I, UCLA I, is a Nike school anyway, though. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah but I mean, that's a great example. But, I wonder at some point, and we've seen them stay out of this largely, but I wonder if that happens at some point. I don't, so I don't think it would happen either on football or basketball because those schools have the commitments and they would have to rewrite those contracts to allow for it. Yeah. Yeah. Arch Manning is the one that could throw a funky wrench at a whole operation. Yeah. I mean, to your point, he doesn't need to. So he doesn't need to, is the thing. I do think Arch Manning signs a deal with like Fanatics because both of his uncles have Fanatics deals. That's a pretty easy one. It's going to be a a long term obligation for him. You know, that's something that he's going to probably get. And, you know, I don't see him signing with Nike or something right immediately. But again, there's, there's just zero need to. Yeah. I did see that Alabama signed uh, the number six quarterback or got a commitment from the number six quarterback in the country. So they believe that Arch is not going to be going to Alabama now. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Down to, I'm hearing Texas or Georgia. I mean, that's kind of where it's been sitting for a long time. Well, somebody at LSU gets some money together for this kid. Just We need one Manning to go to LSU. Just, just well, we couldn't get Archie. No. Nope. We couldn't have Peyton. We couldn't have Eli. Could we? Imagine the lower arch manning with LSU. It would be interesting. He's not. I, I think he's going to end up in Texas. I would, if I was going to make a bet, I'd make a sizable one toward Texas. It makes sense. Hmm. I don't know what his uncle, what his uncle Peyton did to Tennessee. So just something completely different. Right. No, no, I, I can fully. And imagine. I wish the kid nothing but the best. Absolutely. But I thought it was an interesting article, an interesting read on The Athletic, and, and just the idea of what would have been. Yep. You know, and they, and they, they put Bo Jackson as number five, and it was like an argument, was it Bo or Herschel? And it's like, well, it's Bo. It's no question. It's because of the, the reach Auburn had was a bigger reach at the time than Georgia had. Right, right. You know, Bo Jackson was Bo Jackson in part because of how great Herschel Walker was at – in Georgia years before. Sure. You know, there's, there are those two are always going to have the comparison. Mm-hmm. Both just a better athlete, better football player, better baseball player, a better person. And <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And not a consistent liar of all things. So, yeah. I'm just going to hold my tongue on that. If you vote for Herschel Walker, go fuck yourself. There, I said it. <laughs> yeah. Ralph Fournette. Ralph Fournette. For re-election. Um, yeah. So so think about that for NIL. But that's what we're gonna do for what if next week. And then we're gonna have a couple other what ifs in June on the point five. We'll knock those out. I know Uncle Rico gave us a couple different ones he wanted to hear, and then I may bring him in on one as well. So okay. Um, I do want to update the schedule. So we talked about we're doing the what if next week on NIL because we're doing so many NIL interviews in June. Um, our first one was the calendar up here. This will be our regular, we're going to leave the regular pods, not on the point five. So um, we have Memorial Day coming up on the 30th. So next Monday's pod, um, which will be episode 40, I'm going to do uh, just kind of catch up with Coach Bo Rance on whatever's going on in sports between now and then. And then I'm going to do a review of AEW's pay-per-view, their big one of the year this weekend, Sunday night mm-hmm. of um, Double or Nothing which we are hoping is the coronation of CM Punk as the new heavyweight champion. Uh, we'll talk about that. We'll record that Monday morning, get that out for Monday. 
Then you and I will do the 0.5 pi, which will be out next Friday. We'll do the what if. Then on the 6th of June, we'll have our first interview. We've got John Seaton, who is a, um, a great story, an offensive lineman from Elon University who's using NIL as a walk-on to pay to go to college. This guy, has, he's making a little bit of money. He has $1.7 million TikTok followers. Nice. If you if you haven't seen him, look him up. It's uh, John Seaton, J O N S E A T O N. He does the Big Boy Council. You haven't seen. Him. He's an offensive lineman. He's hilarious. His content is great, and he talks all about how he took what was just trying to have fun during the pandemic to mm-hmm. what now helps him pay to go to school because he was a walk on. This is what NIL is supposed to be. This is the good parts of NIL. Yeah. And we're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of NIL throughout the month of June. And we're going to look at it from a lot of different angles. We're going to do it from the student athlete, the first part. Mm-hmm. Uh, then coming back the next week on the 13th or the 13th and the 20th, we're going to have other interviews. We've got an agent lined up who's going to talk about what he's been doing to help some of these young athletes mm-hmm. you know, profit on the NIL. Uh, we're working on a compliance interview. I really, really, really want to get somebody from compliance in here because I think that is the hardest not talked about piece of NIL. Sure. Is they try to keep these schools and rules compliance as the NCAA has basically given the schools the most dog shit advice you could ever get. Basically, it's don't break state law. Right. And collectives are not going to be allowed. Yeah. But the collectives have all lawyered up. They're just waiting for the NCAA to attack. Absolutely. So we're going to cover that over those three or four week period, the 6th, the 13th, the 20th, and maybe the 27th. I was also working on trying to get a coach to come on. A lot of coaches are very squeamish about talking about NIL right now, because again, they haven't been given good guidance on what they need to do. And frankly, they can't get involved. But what I want to see is what I want to talk to those coaches about is, well, what are you having to do? What's changed in your recruiting? You know, what happens when you're asked directly about this? You know, there's rules you have to abide by. So we're not trying to do gotcha stuff. We're just trying to provide this information and to show how this rule is affecting people in multiple different angles here. Yeah. I hope everybody will tune in and join us for those. So we'll be doing that. And then, uh, June 27th, again, we're already booking out a month in advance, will be the Coach Bono's podcast premiere of my son, P-Money, Peyton O'Connor, is going to come on, and he and I will be visiting Chicago that weekend. Mm-hmm. We are going to the AEW New Japan Pro Wrestling Show. He's going to do a review. I'm going to let him talk all about this, this love for wrestling, and It'll be, if you know P-Money, you're going to really enjoy it. I think it'll be a lot of fun. So being father-son that weekend, he's been bugging me. He wants to come on so bad. Nice. I haven't let him yet. So that's going to be his debut. That'll be the 27th of June, so a month out. So. Good work. So, yeah, trying to schedule some things out. Um, also, check out, we're going to have a Star Wars draft coming in a couple weeks. We've stolen that idea from the Jones Report. We're doing every week while I'm on the Jones Report uh, doing Coach Bo's football fix. I'm also staying on for his weekly drafts, which, Ellen, I don't know if you've been listening, but I have been absolutely dominating. That's why you keep telling me. We're three drafts in. And I did not think, it, I thought there was no way this week I could dominate it. I was like, guys, I won't take this ill. In this one, I was so much better than them in this draft that even Tom, the co- Tom Bridges, the co-host, mm-hmm. and his last picks as well, Coach Bo's already so far ahead that I just have <laughs> my last pick. We did bald guys. Oh. Yeah. It's always something fun like this. Our first one was, uh, see, last week it was fast food items. Uh-huh. I dominated. Just dominated. So where did Bruce Willis end up on the bald man's? Uh, t- uh, Tom, I believe Tom Bridges took, no, no, Tyler Jones took uh, Bruce Willis in the third round, I believe. Okay. Yeah. I can tell you the first round, Tyler picked first. He took Michael Jordan. Uh-huh. I was second and took Samuel L. Jackson. Okay. 
Uh, Tom was third, and he took. Oh, I don't have my notes in front of me anymore. I can't remember who he took now, but it was a good pick. And then he got me because I was going to take Dave Chappelle in the second round, mm-hmm. and Tom and Tom picked back to back. He took Dave Chappelle with the fourth pick. I was going to pick at five. Gotcha. Because I took the Rock instead. So my team was six or six rounds. My team was um, it's it's bald guy. It just says bald guy. So this could be right. characters. This could be real. It could be alive. It could be dead. So I took. Okay. Um, I see. I had the Rock. I had Samuel L. Jackson, Stone Cold Steve Austin, um, Charles Barkley. Mm-hmm. Lex Luthor was my sixth one, and Patrick okay. Stewart. How nice. Okay. Yeah. That's so what I took Patrick Stewart. I said, hey, I get Professor Xavier and I get Jean Luc Picard. Yeah, yeah. So you got to think of it that way. Yeah. So I get both those. So, yeah. That's just like we did the first one we did was Joe's, famous Joe's. Okay. And my team was. Um, oh, this bar- is where you picked uh, Casey Joe's Barbecue, right? Yeah, you had to take Casey Joe's bar- Joe's Casey Barbecue. Casey. That was my last pick. And everyone was like, you can't take something that's not a real person. I said, well, look, it's Joe's. It's the best barbecue in the world. I'm taking Casey Joe's barbecue. <laughs> I, I, that 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 and the combination of me having him and having that and Joe Burrow won it for me. Gotcha. Also because Tyler Jones took Joseph Stalin. Interesting choice. Yeah, number one, number one pick, their first round pick as well. Yeah. We've been giving him grief about it for three weeks. Every pick is like, that's so bad it makes it makes Jones and Stalin pick bad. Um yeah. Woo, fascist out, a fascist out the yeah, gate out the gate i mean just yeah he was he was his tongue-in-cheek he's having a good time with it so good. we're still in that gimmick for a week we're gonna do a star wars draft we've got uncle rico confirmed our boy Henri yule is gonna be in mm-hmm. uh gonna make his debut on the pod gonna jump in with that um i know my boy barry, barry kingery's coming in are you doing it as well yeah so we got five this is going to be deep. Star Wars draft is going to be deep. I've got to work on getting that together and figure out a date to get us all on Zoom and do it. But we're going to do that. That'll come out in June as well. So we'll have some fun in the next few weeks. Obi-Wan dropped last night or drops tomorrow. So. Tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. We're not talking about, we're not talking about big boards yet. All right. I, no, I'm just. Obi-Wan I'm is high on the Coach Bow big board. It's I, I'm, I'm mentioning since you have That's not. What really inspired me was the Obi-Wan trailer. And I was like, God, I'm gonna watch this. You you are, but you have not watched all of the Star Wars TV. So I'm just noting. Yeah, and I'm gonna have to get back and catch all the Mandalorian. So I'm not way behind on the Mandalorian. So and Bubba Fett. So mm-hmm. they're, they're, yeah, I'm at a distinct disadvantage in this. Because we've got like some Star Wars nerds coming in here to help us. So yes. I say that lovingly when I say Star Wars nerds. So uh, but yes, uh, so I'm at a distinct disadvantage. But I think I can draw the, um, I think I know it. I think I, it's my draft. I get to make a couple of gimmicks in here. So oh. I'll probably play with the draft order enough okay. to give me what I want. <laughs> okay. So I, I just know that I don't need the number one overall pick. Because my big board is completely different number one than everybody else's this far. Okay. So, yeah. Who would be your number one pick? I'm not going to tell you. Get it out of you. I got it. I got it out of a couple of others. I will tell you mine. If I tell you mine, you tell me yours. No. If 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 you are doing the, if you ain't cheating, we're going to randomize the draft. We're going to randomize the draft. So, uh, uh. I'm going to randomize the draft. But uh, yeah. I'm just going to say I'm dark side for life. Okay. So, all right, let's get up out of here. Let's just, I appreciate you coming on. I enjoyed today. I am going to have a little lighthearted stuff here at the end. Um, so yeah, so stay tuned next few weeks. We'll have some cool stuff going. I'm also working on a project for later in the summer. We're trying to get some stuff done. You know, June, July are always the slowest sports months. Yeah. 
because you've got basically just baseball playing, you know, by that time we're going to have the NBA will be done. Um, shout out actually to the Dallas Mavs for making the Warriors to play a fifth game. I appreciate that. Hmm. And um, the Celtics up three games to two now. I was yeah. very happy. Celtics went and got game five in Miami. Haven't watched any of it. because Oh man. A- the Heat and the Celtics have been okay to watch. Um the last game of the Mavs Warriors was okay, but the Warriors games all happen the exact same way. They get to where they're losing by 10, 12, 15. There's like four minutes to go in the game, and the referees decide, okay, now it's time to call a foul on the Mavs every single time they come down the court. And it didn't happen as much in game five, but or game four, but Oh my God. It's, it's happened like that for like the last two rounds. It's ridiculous. They get more calls than any team I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Steph, if you just like brush Steph Curry, it's a foul. You know, and Draymond Green's gonna kick you in the nuts and somehow you get the you get the foul called. That is true. I want to meet Draymond Green because I want to punch him in the nuts. Just to make it to just say, hey, you know what? You deserve that for everybody else that you kicked in the nuts over the years. I wouldn't recommend that, but I think I could take Draymond in the fight. Probably not. How bad I could? Uh, I'm scrappy. Not. I'm scrappy. You may be scrappy, but he's also got at least six inches on you. That's okay. Think of it like a sumo. Like if I get under him, use my hands, it'll be all right. Okay. Uh, I've taken a couple of tall guys in my past. It's all right. <laughs> I'm not afraid of tall guys. Good to know. I'm afraid of weapons. <laughs> and I'm afraid of and I'm afraid of hillbillies. Okay. Because they usually have some hidden weapons. I'm also afraid, I think Kevin Hart once said, you know, don't fight anybody that slaps both their knees before the fight. <laughs> uh, I'm not fighting that. I'm not fighting anybody with the hi yeah. No, I'm out. Yeah. Sorry, I'll apologize. So all right, let's get up out of here. So uh, Ellen, thanks for coming on this week. Appreciate it. It's always fun. Always. Uh, hey, I also wanted to shout out uh, people. You know, I've been sharing some stuff on Instagram, and I'll have another post here in a little bit. But um, I've been getting a lot of feedback from people. I've been getting a few text messages and some messages on IG as well. Uh, thank you. That really means a lot. So if you're hearing this and you you send me a message or you said something, I haven't replied yet. I'm sorry, but I do appreciate all the well wishes. I am doing pretty good, so I appreciate it. Every day is its own struggle, but we're doing better. Um, also, I want to thank Tyler Jones, everybody at Studio Soapbox, all they do behind the scenes. Thank you for what you guys do. Uh, most importantly, thank you to you, the listener. Uh, without you guys, we wouldn't be here. So we appreciate it. Uh, don't forget to rate us and review us. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your, pod- your podcast, we appreciate every five star review. Till Monday, I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor, and Silla Williamser. Uh, have a great weekend. Remember your time tokens are not reflectful. Hug your kids, tell them you love them, and we'll all get through this together. Take care, everybody.